Welcome to Planet Sleep. I'm your host, Josh. And tonight, join me on an adventure to the southernmost continent on the planet, Antarctica. Before we go, make sure you pack a few parkas, a couple pairs of long johns, some extra woolly socks, and a good pair of snow boots. Because where we're going, you're going to need all of those. Otherwise, you might just freeze your buns off. So we need to make sure we're fully prepared. Before we go, let's take a minute to relax. Remind ourselves why we're here on this beautiful planet in the first place. And tell yourself that you deserve to be here just as much as the next person. Find somewhere quiet to lay or sit. Clear your mind and prepare for the long, cold journey ahead. Because where we're going, there's no cell phone service, no Twitter, no one to call. If you run into trouble, your mind needs to be sharp as a tack, and you got to be ready for anything. Take a few deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. I'll wait. Now that you've got your mind right, we can begin our beautiful journey across Antarctica. You stand on an infinite tract of crystal white earth beneath your feet, divided by transatlantic mountains. Deep under a thick sheet of ice, the crust of Antarctica hides away in the depths, hundreds of feet beneath the frozen water. Although it's hard to imagine a time when this land wasn't covered by frost, unbearable winds, and freezing temperatures, it had once been a much different place. Before this ancient land became the hub of penguins, seals, research stations, and ice caps, it was actually a warm climate filled with trees and flowers, a place near tropical seas, where its wildlife was vastly different from what it is today. More than 250 million years ago, West Antarctica was partially in the Northern Hemisphere, and East Antarctica was at the equator near tropical seas. Its lands of green foliage were much warmer then, but its fate would make this region the coldest place in the entire world. Over long periods, the continent drifted closer to the South Pole, where its climate began to cool down. And over 125 million years ago, Antarctica finally separated from the lands of Africa and India, where it moved further towards the South Pole. Until eventually, the continent was mostly covered in ice, roughly 15 million years ago. Finally, it began taking the form of what it is today. As the western and eastern plates converged, they formed a mountain range that divided the continent, also known as the Transatlantic Mountains. Today, the actual landmass of Antarctica, roughly 5.4 million square miles, is concealed by a massive sheet of ice. Its majestic mountains hide beneath the frozen bed of a polar desert. Although we think of deserts as hot, dry lands covered in sand and rocks beneath a scorching sun, Antarctica is considered a polar desert, much different than the Sahara or the Gobi. And today, it's considered the largest desert in the entire world. 
what you see around you. The glaciers, the rugged stacks of ice all beneath the white sky is the least explored region of the earth. Despite the advances in technology, the snowy sector of the earth remains the most mysterious continent. Ice dominates entirely. Nowhere you travel is void of constant dwelling of frost, and its seasons are unlike anything you've ever experienced before. In the winter, the sun never rises. In the summer, the sun never sets. Although you know you haven't left the planet Earth, you feel like you have in the back of your mind. No weather you've ever experienced matches the freezing cold desolation of Antarctica. With the average temperature in the winter being negative 76 degrees Fahrenheit, you're eternally grateful for your layered outfit, your goggles, and your sub-zero jacket. The coldest temperature ever recorded in Antarctica is negative 135 degrees Fahrenheit, and the strongest winds ever sustained blow at nearly 200 miles an hour. But in the face of its awful accommodations, people still inhabit the island. And the range of species cover its barren regions and swim through its frigid waters. In the distance beyond your line of sight, you hear the call of a hundred birds. Far off in the distance, 40 different species of birds reside in Antarctica. So you wonder which ones make so much noise in the distance. But knowing which one is most common in this icy land, you have a pretty good idea of what snowy bird calls from the coast. As you march through a series of rugged ice sheets, you glance over a smooth hill of snow carved by the wind. As far as you can see beyond the hill, a long stretch of blue water appears on the horizon. The ocean reaches to the ends of the earth, and small white caps break near the shore. In the calm serenity, a dark figure emerges from the sea, and a rush of water comes up along with it. From a distance, the figure looks small, but the distance is deceptive. What you see breaking through the ocean's surface is a blue whale, the largest animal to ever live on the planet Earth. And they are bigger in the Antarctic than anywhere else. Here they can grow up to 110 feet and weigh more than 330,000 pounds. As you watch its gigantic body return to the ocean, a huge splash sends a wave of cold water crashing into the next. And in a moment, the whale is gone. Nothing remains at the surface except for the restless disturbance of water where the whale had vanished. Being the largest animal on earth, it's still rare to spot one in its natural environment. The blue whale cruises through the ocean feeding on krill, which are tiny crustaceans found in the ocean. These krill come from the Norwegian word meaning small fry of fish, and they are some of the smallest creatures in the water. In a bit of irony, they are eaten by the largest creature. The blue whale can eat up to nearly six tons of krill per day, and they're always on the search for more. Six tons is an incredible amount, but there are almost 400 million tons of krill in the ocean surrounding Antarctica, so the whales have plenty of food. They wander around Antarctica for the summer months, slowly cruising at five miles an hour. But as the cold winter months approach, they'll swim up towards the equator to find warmer water and more food. The crash of water from the blue whale quickly disappears, and nothing else catches your eye as you look out towards the water. The ocean seems calm from a distance, 
but you know its merciless waters carry stories of countless men who have fallen underneath its power. And if it weren't for the first brave explorers to reach these frigid waters, we would never know about the circle of life that exists in one of the harshest climates on the planet. In the earliest days of Antarctica's exploration, there have been reports of explorers crossing the Antarctic Circle as early as 1773, and the earliest known human remains found in the region date back to the early 1800s. But it wasn't until the 1920s when the American explorer Richard Byrd surveyed the region more than any previous explorer. It was then that we finally began to unlock the first few mysteries of Antarctica. We finally unveiled what was within the mystical tract of infinite ice. And as he stepped on shore and surveyed the lands, this was also when Richard believed there was a hidden entrance to the cryptic city of Agartha somewhere hidden in the tundra. Agartha is a legendary city believed to reside deep inside the Earth's core, and this area acts as the foundation of the Hollow Earth theory. Rooted more in fantasy than reality, dating back hundreds of years, people believe that the Earth held a secret region deep under the crust, and there were several entrances around the world. A network of colonies lived within, and a central sun resided at the core of the planet, giving life to everything inside. According to legend, the ancient race known as the Old Ones moved into this secret underground world millions of years ago, and some believe they still live there today. Their cities are said to be a place of peace and tranquility, and many explorers have claimed that they have discovered the hidden tunnels that lead to the glorious land of Agartha. But as you could guess, Richard searched and searched for decades all across the frigid lands of Antarctica, and never once did he find an entrance. The ancient city of Agartha would remain a mystery, but he did unveil a large portion of the continent, allowing future explorers to dive deeper into the uncharted depths of snow and ice. Norwegian explorers had first reached the South Pole in 1911, and several decades later on October 31, 1956, a U.S. Navy group successfully landed an aircraft at the South Pole for the first time. Soon after, they built the first permanent South Pole station a month later, and a newly redesigned station still exists there today. The researchers there conducted a handful of experiments. They even have their own greenhouse where they grow fruits and vegetables. But more countries than just the U.S. have bases on the continent. A few years after building the base at the South Pole, in 1969, the Antarctic Treaty was established, and today the continent is currently governed by about 30 different countries. And as different research stations have cropped up in different areas along the tundra, exploration and scientific research have become an important part of the continent. Much of the research done in Antarctica reflects how the planet responds to climate change, but scientific study and exploration has been constantly hindered by the harsh winter months and researchers mostly visit only during the summer months when the constant sun lends the slightest bit of warmth to the region. Only about 1,000 or so people are in Antarctica at any given time. As you sweep your eyes across the land, you don't see any research stations. They are far and few between. Only about 70 stations controlled by about 30 countries inhabit the 5.4 million square miles of land. Only if you were specifically looking for one would you find it, but you're not here for that. Although, as you scan your eyes across the white desolation, you spot something sticking out of the snow near the coast. 
two dark prongs stick out among the white snow. So out of curiosity, you make your way toward them. The objects in the snow look thin, like two poles sticking out of the ground and two thinner ones beside it. You think they might be antennas to a radio or a satellite, but as you approach, you notice they're not antennas at all. They are two cross-country skis planted in the snow and two poles beside them. You wonder who left them here and what fate had met the previous owners. You look around, but there are no other tracks. No one else is around. You are alone. And the skis stand tall against the endless wind. You figure they're stuck firmly in the ice. So you take a moment to break them free from their prison and lay them on the ground. Their undersides are still smooth from a recent waxing, as if they were left here just for you. With strong bindings, you strap them to your feet and begin your way across the snow much faster than before. As you make your way towards the coast, a harsh wind meets you in a clearing. Its force pushes you back on your skis a bit, but you maintain balance and fight through the wind. The gust is sharp and bitter, but your clothing and gear keep you warm. You crouch down on the skis and cut through the wall of wind. And as you cross the ice, you imagine all the explorers who have come here before you trek across this empty field. You see no other tracks in the snow, but you think about how many have been covered by the passing of time and you wonder who else has ventured through this polar desert alone. Although the region is constantly terrorized by strong winds and harsh weather conditions, fighting through its weather has also become a prized challenge throughout history. In 1996, Norwegian explorer Borga Ausland became the first person to cross the entire continent from coast to coast by himself. It took him roughly two months in the freezing cold, and he began his journey in the summer month of November. He traversed the tundra on skis, and he used a kite to ride with the wind. Today, he still holds the record for the fastest unsupported journey to the South Pole, which took him only 34 days. Like Borga, you ski quickly across the land, carving through layers of ice and carefully planting your poles. And the closer you get to the coast, the louder the call of birds shake the air around you. What you first thought was a hundred birds now sounds like several hundred, possibly thousands. A massive colony must live beyond the ridge ahead of you. And as you pass over the last white ridge before the coast, the shore slowly reveals itself. Gray mottled rocks cover the freezing beach and ocean waves crash and sink in between each stone. Patches of ice cover the land. Crossing over everything, you see a massive colony of king penguins gathering. They waddle across the shore in every which way. Some of them huddle together in masses, while others travel along a highway system through the gatherings. Adults call out to their young as they search through a colossal crowd of busy birds. These gatherings can sometimes have up to 400,000 king penguins in one location. Nowhere else on earth have you seen this many king penguins before. You can tell the difference between the adults and the children by their feathers. Adults have a fully developed overcoat. Their bellies are pure white while their backs and heads are gray and black. A dash of orange curves around their head, chest, and beak. Their bodies are sleek and agile, perfect for swimming. And their beaks are long and pointy, perfect for fishing. While the young penguins look a bit different, instead of having a distinguished penguin suit, they have a big fluffy coat of brown feathers. And as they run across the shore, Tufts of brown feathers gently fall away from their body as they shed their adolescent coat. They look playful and friendly, but they have seen quite a lot in their lifetime despite their innocent look. The young king penguins have three fates during their youth. 
to be eaten, starve, or hang on for dear life until their parents return with food. When their parents dive into the ocean and begin their hunt, their young might not see them for nearly five months since the young can't hunt for themselves, so all they can do is wait and survive until their parents return. Several predators share the coastal territory, so they're in a constant state of survival mode while their parents are gone. Seals and killer whales wait out in the frigid waters for their next meal, and giant carnivorous birds patrol the shoreline. So the children try to stay close to the onshore colony for safety, all the while their parents are out in the ocean, dodging the hungry predators and filling their bellies with small fish and krill. Their bellies act as refrigerators, preserving the food until they can make it back to their children. Even when the parents return, they have to avoid groupings of hungry elephant seals that lay on the shore. And as they make it way back to their colony, their children are usually lost in a sea of penguins that all look the same. So they let out their distinctive calls to attract their young. The adults give out a horn-like call, while the young give a high-pitched chirp. When they finally reunite, the parents regurgitate their food to feed their children. With this, they've successfully survived for another few months. But the reunion is short-lived and bittersweet as the parents return to the ocean again to hunt for the next supply of food. Even though survival seems difficult, these king penguins today have it much easier than their ancestors. In the early 1900s, the whaling industry terrorized the local seas, and many of the penguins were killed and used as kindling in whale stations. Their numbers dwindled and they were almost hunted into extinction, but luckily regulations finally began protecting the wildlife and their numbers came back in full force. Today, the king penguin numbers are the highest they have been in decades, and they are one of the species on Antarctica that aren't even close to being endangered. The monumental gathering of penguins before you seems unreal. There are so many of them. You no longer see them as individuals, but as one giant mass swaying along the shore, wading in the ocean and huddling together. And as you remember the vast desolate stretches of land and sea where only a few people ever cross paths with the harshest regions of the continent, it makes sense that the wildlife of Antarctica can thrive here. As long as resource gathering stays under control, animals like the king penguin can blossom where humans struggle to survive. Their adaptive bodies can fight against freezing temperatures, merciless waters, and fierce winds. Unlike us, Animals like the king penguin are meant to live under these intense conditions, and there are many others like them, sharing the blistering cold land and sea of Antarctica. With every colony of penguins, you can usually spot some leopard seals nearby. On your skis, you push your poles into the ground and coast along the ridge, looking down at the swarm of activity beneath you. Heading towards a shallow crest along the ridge, the snow and ice crunch beneath your skis and the sound of your skis gliding along the land harmonize with the wind in your ears. The faint white sun casts your shadow down on the blank ice beneath, where you leave your tracks along the ice. And as you reach the crest, you look down into the sea. Its waters are a shade of deep, dark blue with an deeper and darker blue. But the commotion underneath the surface takes the shape of dashing formations that glide through the water. Twisting and turning, the leopard seals chase the penguins at speeds nearly 23 miles an hour, and you watch the feast begin. 
The predator seals of the waters usually get a bad reputation for being aggressive, especially because they've attacked humans on occasion and feed on local penguins. They're also large creatures, 12 feet long and nearly a thousand pounds. Pointed teeth fill their mouths and they pound their chest with their fins as an act of intimidation. They're also built for speed and can turn on a dime at 20 miles an hour, making them a fierce ocean predator. But the leopard seals might not be as scary as their reputation suggests. Their coats are gray on top and their bellies are white covered with black spots. Their giant round eyes look like black marbles and thick whiskers surround their mouths. If anything, they look like the dogs of the sea, but their diet puts many people off. It's hard to find an animal cute while they feed on penguins. They're also known to play with their food and perform ballet dances with penguins still hanging from their mouths. But despite their violence, they can actually be incredibly caring creatures, and they've been recorded trying to give researchers penguins as a gesture of sharing their food. And we must remember as they hunt the penguins, the leopard seals are only following the rules of the food chain. The same way that the penguins feed on small lanternfish and the blue whales feed on krill, everyone has their own part to play within the Antarctic ecosystem, and the leopard seals happen to be near the top of the food chain. Their only natural predator is the killer whale. And while krill is towards the bottom of the food chain, their numbers play a significant role in the health of the local ecosystem. But with the recent low production of sea ice in the region, there is low production of krill as well. So the leopard seals have become vulnerable along with other animals of the Antarctic because the food chain has been damaged. Although you look down at the commotion of animals that seem to be thriving, there is a hidden threat that's invisible while watching over the Antarctic coast. As many know, Antarctica has become a centerpiece for the discussion of climate change. The continent holds nearly 90% of all the world's ice and 70% of the world's fresh water is stored within. This makes the continent of Antarctica a crucial piece in Mother Nature's organization of water across the planet. But the continent's ice mass has slowly dwindled over time, despite it being the coldest place on Earth. And its loss can lead to drastic changes across the planet. Luckily, many are working towards spreading awareness and combating climate change. Since the 1970s, organizations like the Antarctica Project have worked towards preserving the continent, its waters, and its wildlife. Some organizations have prevented mining operations and overfishing in Antarctica. Whale sanctuaries have also been set up in the Southern Ocean to protect the beloved creatures from being hunted or captured at dangerous rates. While other organizations have even bigger dreams of trying to establish an international world park on the continent in the future, there is still hope for the preserved continent to protect its beautiful glaciers and ice caps, its tremendous wildlife, and not to mention the incredible view of space unlike anywhere else on Earth. Although the continent is most known for its glaciers, ice caps, penguins, seals, and whales, the southern sky of Antarctica is the best place to view space. For a moment, you decide to cruise away from the shore and head inland towards a higher elevation. Your skis won't do you too much good going uphill, so you take them off your boots and sink their back ends into the ground. You leave them in an open field where the next Planet Sleep listener that stumbles across Antarctica can take them for a ride. After leaving the poles beside the skis, you look up towards a higher hilltop piled with layers of ice and snow. You trudge your way up, but you don't mind the exercise. The climb keeps you warm, and you listen to your heartbeat and rhythm with your footsteps. 
When you reach the top and look out at the vistas surrounding you, you realize that this land is desolate, but this desolation is what creates perfection here at the southern end of the world. The high elevation and low temperatures and extremely long polar nights during the winter allow for the best astronomical observations on the entire planet. The higher elevation means a thinner atmosphere exists above, which gives a clearer view of space. And since Antarctica is a desert, the lack of water vapor in the air also offers the perfect view of the twinkling stars. Not only that, but falling meteorites have collided with Antarctica for millions of years, and the cold desert has preserved these meteorites in near-perfect condition for millennia. They're also easy to spot since the charred black surface stands out against the white plains of tundra. These are important finds since they often contain clues about the composition of our solar system in its early years of existence. While most meteorites come from asteroids, some of the meteorites found in Antarctica have even come from pieces of the moon in the planet Mars. Thinking of the infinite space beyond the white sky, you look up, but you're reminded that it's summer, the night won't come for many months, and the sun casts a constant white light until the season ends and winter begins. But as you lie down on your back and sink into the frosty blanket of snow, a mystical mechanism unlocks within the fabric of time and space. Like the snap of a finger, a gentle weight presses on your chest as time begins to shift. The sun swirls around in the sky above as you lie frozen on the ice. The light of the sky curves left and right until it shoots beneath the surface, and the dark months of winter greet you with a dark sparkling sky. The eternal night of winter has arrived, where billions of stars paint the black canvas above. As their light passes through the atmosphere, some of them flicker and burst with energy. You imagine each one giving off the small ring of a bell in one gentle orchestra while they dance within their galaxies. And as the cold wind curves across your body, you gently close your eyes, envisioning the infinite reach of space and what lies beyond. I hope you found this expedition through Antarctica as peaceful and enjoyable as I did. If you enjoyed this episode of Planet Sleep, make sure you're following us on Spotify, subscribed on YouTube, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. It does really help out the show, and it's a great free way to support the growth of Planet Sleep. But that is it for our journey tonight. I hope I'll see you in a future expedition to planet sleep but until then sleep easy my friends <laughs>